Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now, number two, it says, besides lay aside something, it says, let us run with endurance. Most of the time when you hear this passage, the preachers will emphasize, you've got to run this race, and they'll go through all the verses, which you need to. But here it talks about running with endurance, which means you put up with all the stuff that goes on preparing and running the race, which means that you do it without ever laying it down. So I have to run this race that is set before us. Now, folks... I hope you understand this. You don't... Uh Let me say it a different way. The race that is set before you is a race that God set before you. Now you have the choice whether or not you want to run this race and you want to run it in a qualified manner and then end it with a crown and a reward. But it's a race. And I almost like to say that you don't have the choice to run the race. We all run it. But now he tells us how to run it so we don't get discouraged. But now number three. It's set before us. Then we're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And frankly, that means to look off and up to Christ. So he is my model. He's the one I'm going to look to. So if there's anything you have to look at, you want to look to Christ. My wife and I, um, Carol and I, um, we all go through challenges. So I don't need, you know, it's, we don't have more scars than you have. We have scars just like you do with kids, with health, with finances, with issues, just like you do. So that's not important. But what is important is that my wife has something that has kept her focus. Some of you look at Carol and you think, Carol is such a wonderful person of encouragement. She will say this. She'll say, remember who you're doing it for. Whatever you're doing, if you're getting discouraged, remember who you're doing anything for. It must be done for the Lord. The second part of that phrase is this. And keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, wherever she got that, she got it from good Bible teaching, probably long before she met me. But she hung on to that one truth, and that one truth is embedded into this passage right here. And it was through that truth, remember who you're doing it for, keep your eyes on the Lord. And she's been able to endure the things that she's gone through. Now here's the weirdest thing about people who cheerfully endure all sorts of stuff. We look at them and we say, They had a pretty good life. Look at how happy they are. Everything is going great for them. Uh Uh-uh. Life is no better for them. The difference is is they have learned to take whatever life gives to them through God and keep their eyes on the Lord, and God has given them that inner joy. So for them, it's not a mountain. It's a speed bump. But for the rest of us, it could be huge mountains. But it really is only a speed bump. And so it says here to look unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now there's not a number by that, but I want you to look at it very carefully. It says, who for the joy that was set before him 
endured the cross. Now when I look at that, that is such a rich passage because it sometimes makes me have great comfort to know that in the midst of some, some, some tremendous pressure of challenges financially and physically, whatever we have, whatever you might be having, at that moment when the heat is on and the pressure is building, you might not have joy right then. Now, it may be inside of you, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tension joy. But you really don't have it. But what you need to do, watch this, is look beyond that challenge. And that's what he, he saw the joy that was before him. Now, what, what joy did Jesus see ahead of him? Was it the whipping? Was it being naked, basically, on the cross? Was it the abandonment of the people that he built his life into, like the disciples? Was it mocking? Was it the actual death? Was it that moment where God said, or where he said to God, my God, my God, why hast thou for it? What, what was the, that, that wasn't the joy. What was the joy was that through all that that he endured, at the end would be, he would be totally exalted in all the glory and the praise. And so what I can do is I can say, I can endure all of this, watch this now, for the joy that I'm going to have in bringing all the glory and honor unto the Lord. So even through this, no matter what I go through, how can I bring joy and glory to God? That's part of the point. Let's go a little bit further. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the joy that was set before me endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And number four is, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Now, the word consider is a very unusual word. It's the word that's used in a comparison. So he's saying this. The word consider doesn't mean just think about. It means while you're thinking about, compare. Watch this now. Listen carefully. You think about what he went through, and now you think about what you're going through to run your race, and it's really non-comparable. So look what he went through, and he endured it all to the very end. He said when it was done, it was finished. He then was resurrected and ascended and was glorified. So you look to him as the comparison right now, off unto him. If he can do it, I can do this thing. So I'm going to consider him. So the next time you're with a tremendous back injury or ache or surgery or whatever else, you remember Jesus' back going up and down on the cross. The next time you've got a splitting headache, you think about a crown of thorns that were jammed on his skull. The next time you and I are going through the feeling of abandonment of family members or friends even or people we've given our life for, then you remember what Jesus had to go through all alone, naked up there, fled from him. When you think about the foes that mocked him, whatever you go through on your job in the dog-eat-dog world where they're trying to spin stories about you so that they can get promoted up and around you, I want you to know whatever you go through by your enemies, whether they're neighbors or people in your past, Jesus went through all of that because he said it's not about all of this. It's about the glory that goes to the Lord. It's all about glory. And you could read that in John. And then it says here, last part, you can underline this. 
lest you become weary and discouraged in your emotions or souls, the real being. So as I, if I took this verse and I wrapped it backwards, I would say, in order for me not to become weary and discouraged, then what do I need to do? Go back to the top of the verse. If I do what the verse 1, 2, and the first part of verse 3 says, I don't have to worry about the last part of verse 3. But if I don't do the first part, I'm going to have a result in my life. I will be weary. I will be discouraged. I will not endure. So number one, our example is Christ. Now let's go to number two. And that is through the character and the truths of God. The character and the truths of God. I put these down here so carefully in Scripture so that maybe you would like to, in your quiet time, meditate on each one of these bullet points. Choose one per day. As you go through a particular stress, stressful situation. So let's look at it carefully. But before I do, look at the phrase right after where it says, The character and truths of God, but the Lord shall endure forever. Would you say that out loud with me, Psalms 9-7? But the Lord shall endure forever. Alright, so that means he's not going to die. That means no matter what Jesus has been through, he's not going to quit. He's not going to get sick. We also know in Psalms it says that he never sleeps and he never slumbers. So he is totally focused on you and me. He endures forever. He is the rock. He's the refuge. He's the high tower. He's everything that I need because he is the stable one and he loves me. And I can go to him when the waters of challenges rage around me. All right, so he lives forever. He endures forever. All right, now that being said, what are some areas that we could look at? Some truths. His goodness endures continually. Just write these down quickly. The goodness of God endures continually. Now when that means God is good to you, some might say, well, how can he be good to me when this and such happened to me? I never said God wouldn't hurt you, but I can tell you God will never harm you. Harming you means you're hindered from reaching the potential God has for you. He will never harm you or to hinder you from reaching that potential. Now, you may get hurt, like surgery might hurt, but the purpose of surgery is to get you well. So he is good to you and me always. Next, his righteousness endures forever. It means I can trust that he's not going to play politics with me He's not going to do a bait and switch with me regarding biblical principles or how he's leading my life. He is true. He is righteous. He is right. Okay? His commandments endure forever. All the precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever. So whatever man might say, whatever new material might come out, it still will not change the truth of God's word. That information may contradict God's word, but it doesn't mean God's word is contradicted. It is forever. His praise endures forever. His praise endures forever. That's why I love to sing praise songs along with other songs as well, our great hymns, all of them together. As long as our focus is on doing it with a pure heart, him singing him back to himself. His truth endures forever, which means he won't lie to me. There's no spin zone with the Lord. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. And I can't help but praise God for that. His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 
And I like to add to that, how is he good? It's because his mercy endures forever. And that phrase is found 26 times in Psalm 136 alone, just reminding, oh my word. Folks, put a star by that. That means when you blow it, if God's mercy endures, means you blow it once, it's still there. He doesn't withhold it. He doesn't quit on you with his mercy. He'll still... So you failed at school, you failed on a grade, you failed with your tongue, you failed with your mind, you failed with your life. God says, I'll give you a do-over. Now, on the other hand, let me be very clear about this. We don't keep sinning so we can keep getting grace and mercy. God forbid that we should live any longer in sin. Okay? But he does give us mercy. The next is his faithfulness endures forever. His faithfulness endures forever. God is faithful. I love that. It's kind of combined with the next one. His judgments of the word of God endures forever. The entirety of your word is truth and every one of your judgments endures forever. As you know, I'm reading, um, continually reading this big long biography of Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor had literally dozens of missionaries in China that he was responsible for, although they had to trust the Lord for their own needs, but often he would pay their way out to China, provide them with the resource package for them to be able to do their ministry, and whenever he could, he would give them extra money. Sometimes he would be blessed himself, and he would take some of his own money to give to his missionaries. But while he was doing all of this, there was a time that the, the headquarters of his ministry back in London had a family by the name of Burgers, husband and wife. Well, they had to redirect their life, so he was out without someone to take care of the China Inland Mission in, in London. And so the support began to drop. His support was dropping, the missionary support was dropping, and yet at the time, he had a map of China before him, and he kept wanting to go further, further, toward Mongolia, toward Tibet, everywhere he wanted to spread the gospel, so, but less money. Finally, it was brought to him. They said, there's only 25 cents left in our account. And here was Hudson Taylor's most profound comment. He said this, no, we don't have 25 cents in our account. And he opened the book, which is the Bible. He says, we have 25 cents and all the promises of God. So we may be down to our last dollar, those of you that will lose your job. But I promise you, God's word will never return unto him. Boy, he will take care. It is, it is enduring to us. So rest in his word. Rejoice in his word. Show this world what it means to stand above the pressures of this life. Don't deny it, but stand against it and above it. Hudson Taylor was a great example of that, and my, how God prospered him afterwards. The next is, his name and memorial, or legacy, endures forever. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. Now, I want to park more on the name rather than the fame right now. This would be a good time for us to go have lunch. Yeah, it really would be. And come back again and have a complete study on about a dozen of the names of God found in the Old Testament alone. And then learn each name. And you become a master of that name. You know that name. You abide in that name. You own that principle in his name. 
Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Jehovah Rapha, God will heal. Jehovah Rapha, God is our shepherd. He will guide you when you don't know what to do. You own that name, his name for yourself. It endures forever. What he promised to the people in the Bible, he promises to you and me today. And the same promises that he promised to the people in the Bible and the people that we in our life today are the same promises that you will face next year or the year after when we really start caving in. God is there for us. But I want you to see something that doesn't last long with the Lord. It says this, In contrast, notice how long his anger lasts. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Well, how can I demonstrate endurance? I picked three here to keep it short. Work on your own principles. Here they are quickly. Number one, use weariness in a task or hardship as a motivation to go to the Lord for his strength. You teenagers, you're real weary with the homework. You're really weary with this project. It's hard for you to do. There's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of temptation to go do other stuff. You're behind schedule. You're not feeling well. The parents are dumping more stuff on you. When you're weary... Then you use that as a motivation to say, I need to go to the Lord, so Lord help me right now. And the Lord is going to do that. And the reason he's brought you to that point is so that you would realize your only strength is going to come from him. Not from you running from the project, making excuses about it, taking less effort in the thing because you don't care what your grade is in long. You've given up. You stay with it. And this same issue is any of you from those of you that will work on cars, dig ditches, paint walls, whether you're going to work in a computer, a law firm, an accounting firm, teach, preach, or do a ministry. Whatever times it gets struggling and, and wearisome to you, say, at that moment I'm feeling weary. I'm going to lean on the Lord. For I will reap if I faint not, Scripture says. Number two. Do more than is required without any thought of getting something in return. Do more than is required without any thought of getting something in return. In other words, because you've laid aside the weight, you actually can go the extra mile now. Think about that. Number three, maintain a commitment to a principle even under pressure. Jesus did. His principle... He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if he didn't complete the work on the cross, he wouldn't have completed the work that he was sent to do. So he maintained a commitment to the principle of fulfilling his father's wishes and commands and to bring glory to the Lord, to God the Father, through completion of his task. So he maintained that. He endured all that hardness for us. Number four, is there danger in having endurance? Yes, there is. I want to give a balance here for some of you. Because there is a balance. It can come from a stubborn spirit. Some of us will endure lacking flexibility should the Lord choose to alter obstacles in your life. I do want you to know that sometimes you're going to have some things that will come against you that maybe you do need to lay it aside. Maybe you do need to move in another direction. So don't let your stubborn spirit or your lack of flexibility hinder you from maybe moving where the Lord is moving. And so you're really not giving up. Watch this now, watch this. You're just redirecting. You're not giving up on the Lord. You're not losing heart. You're not quitting following God. You're just redirecting. 
But make sure that it's all underneath God's plan. Well, there are some steps that you might want to look on, look at with your family and maybe some things that might help you there. I'd like to leave you with this last thought on the cross. We talked a lot about looking to Jesus who endured all this stuff when he went to the cross. And as we look to him, when he stayed on the cross, what did he do? He took all the sin of mankind on himself. He took your sin, my sin, every sin we've ever done, commission, omission, past sins, future sins, all sins. He took it all on himself. When he died this horrible death, his blood was shed. He rose again from the dead to show victory over sin and death and hell. And he offers freely forgiveness to anyone who would come to him by faith and receive him and his forgiveness by faith alone. I'm going to tell you that if he quit anywhere along the way, we would not have had a savior. He had just been some religious leader that couldn't cut the mustard. But he is the savior. And he says, I did that for you. Now what you need to do is redirect. Change your thinking from whatever you're trusting in. And look unto Jesus. Look unto me, he's saying. I am the author I started this faith. It all began with me. I'm the finisher of it. There's nothing else you have to do. It's completed in me. But you must trust me. Now, my friend, you don't have to endure, keep on, keeping on, keep on, faithing, keep on, believing. Once you trusted Christ, boom, you're a child of God. You have him living inside of you. Sins are forgiven. You're sealed. You're part of his family. He's given you the book. He's given you the power. And now he says you can make it. I pray you'll trust Christ as Savior. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I love you, my friend, and I want you to know that your ability to endure is all found in the person of Christ. Look to him as your example because you've already received him as your personal Savior by faith. He lives inside of you in the endurance of Christ can be your endurance. So you're exchanging your and mine, our, lack of ability to, to stay with it. We exchange our faint heart, our propensity to be discouraged. We exchange that for His endurance. So it's not me and my ability to endure. It's His endurance easily lived out through us when we yield to Him. In happy moments, praise God. In difficult moments, seek the Lord. In quiet moments, why don't you worship Him? Maybe you have a painful moment. Trust Him. But whatever moment you have, thank Him. Is there anyone in here that would say that you're trusting Christ as your Savior in here to give you the endurance? Is there anyone in here today that would say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm a sinner. I'm looking to Jesus Christ, the Lord, who died and rose again. He's the author and finisher of this entire faith. It's designed by Him, given to me, if I would but receive it by faith. And right now, I'm trusting it. If you do that, I'd like to pray for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I'd like to pray for you. You're saying, Lord, I'm a sinner, but the best in a hound trusts in you to forgive me of my sin and take me to heaven. 
Is there anyone at all? Would you slip up your hand and put it down? Is there anyone here today that's doing that? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I lift up my wonderful brothers and sisters here. And Father, I know that we live in this world. It's, we're wrapped in flesh. It's sinful world. And sinful people will make sinful choices. And we'll be the result of the sinful things that they do that we cannot control. And so, Father, we're going to have that facing us. But with that, Father, we know that we have a home in heaven because of who you are. And let us never forget that our sins have been forgiven. And you live inside of us, so now whatever we might have to endure, you're there that you said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we can boldly say, you are our helper. You are the enduring one. And we will not fear whatever man may legislate or do to us. Our Father, we praise and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.